Hello there, friends. Welcome back to the Ender Incredible Podcast. This is the third episode and the first episode with a guest here. Um, and that very special guest is Savannah Davidson. Savannah is incredible. She is a type 1 diabetic. And today we talk about food and, and perfection and a little bit about how, just a little bit about diabetes and the struggle that comes with it. Um, as always, the Endocrine Credible Podcast should not be taken as medical advice and you should always consult with a doctor before making changes to your treatment plan. Um, today's episode particularly talks about stuff we've experimented with, uh, but we also highlight how each person is is different and how individualized care is necessary for good control. Um, so yeah, this is honestly an incredible episode and I, I very much encourage you to stick around. That said, let's get started. So as I said, I'm here today with Savannah Davidson. She is a type 1 diabetic and we happen to go to the same summer camp. Um, so hi, Savannah. How are you doing today? Um, I'm good. How are you? I am pretty great. I'm just uh, looking forward to talking with you today. So could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah. Um, as you mentioned, my name's Savannah. Um, I'm from Dallas, Texas. I'm a senior in high school. I just recently committed to the University of Oklahoma where I will be studying criminology and getting a minor in psychology so that I can um, hopefully eventually pursue a career in forensic psychology. Um, I have been diabetic for going on six years. It'll be six years on June 5th this year. Um, I just recently switched from Omnipod to T-Slim and I'm on the Dexcom G6. And, um, yeah, I love doing graphic design and stuff like that for social media. Um, and I love coffee and I love baking. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so a little bit in that same vein, um, diabetes definitely has a pretty significant, um, effect on, on the way we eat and the way we approach food. So could you tell me a little bit about your whole diabetes diagnosis and what that was like for you, especially considering, you know, one of your passions is baking. Um, yeah, sure. I was diagnosed three days after my 12th birthday. Um, it was actually the day of my birthday party. Um, I remember it was the day of my sixth grade graduation. They let us out of school early and I was setting up for my birthday party and I started to feel just absolutely awful. And I felt off for I mean, at least three months, but um, all the like classic symptoms of diabetes. Um, but of course, I didn't know it at the time. Um, and I just thought, you know, maybe it was an off day. Um, maybe I was nervous for my party or something. And um, we just recently got in a pool in, so we were doing a pool party. And um, I remember I got into the water when everyone came and I just felt so weak and I, I could not stay afloat. So I got out and I was sitting by the pool and I was eating, I think like a fruit kebab and my stomach started hurting really, really bad. And, you know, I didn't want to be that person that walked out on her own party, but um, I think I kind of came to an agreement with my mom that I would go upstairs and lay down and then come back down before cake. And um, I felt absolutely awful. So everyone kind of left after they did cake. Um, <laughs> I actually never got to eat any of it, which um, I'm a little, I'm a little um, sour about still, but I guess I'll let it slide. 
<laughs> yeah, and um, I, my mom was talking to one of our neighbors who's type 1, and she was like, you know, like, that really sounds like diabetes. Um, and another friend of mine, his mom is a pediatrician, and she was there too. And she was like, yeah, like, I think you need to get her tested. And so my neighbor came over with, you know, the ketone strips and a blood meter. And at the time, you know, I didn't know what the numbers meant. But she tested my sugar and her meter only read up to 600 and it just said over 600. And so she made me test again just in case that was a false reading. But and then she also handed me a ketone strip. And so when I did all that, I came back. It was the darkest color purple like on the scale. So we called the pediatrician friend and she got us a spot in the ER at Children's Plano. And yeah, that was kind of it. I spent two days in the ICU and then one day just in the normal part of the hospital and I was sent home. I really love that story. Um, I think I had a pretty similar experience when I was diagnosed. I was um, at a birthday party. It wasn't my birthday party, but someone I knew, it was someone I knew, someone who I knew it was their birthday party. And um, yeah, I didn't get to eat cake. And I, I think I can agree with you on being salty about that. Um, you know, <laughs> that one thing I think many kids look forward to at birthday parties is the cake. So the fact that that just makes you feel worse. Definitely. Without even realizing it, that that does make you feel worse. Um, that's pretty mind boggling, especially when you're diagnosed and a lot of people will tell you different things about what you can or can't eat. But one of the things that I think every diabetic has heard um, if they've been diabetic for a while is that you can't eat sweet things or that you can't eat certain foods. And again, this, this differs so much by who you're talking to. Um, but that is something that you really got to figure out on your own, right? Um, what is your, your, what has your experience been in terms of, mm -hmm. does that change what you can or can't eat? Um, and if it doesn't, you know, how do you approach those foods that do affect you in a drastic way? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, it's all a science that doesn't make sense, I think, because, you know, once you start finally figuring it out, you know, you have the proper bolus for something, it just completely flips its lid and you have no idea what happened. Um, but I think, yeah, <laughs> it, it's an ever-changing thing and it just never makes sense. But, um, and again, I know, I know we said this earlier and it's not to discourage, uh, diabetics, um, that are just newly diagnosed. It does get easier. It's just one of those things that like, you need to remember, you can't always be perfect with this disease. You never will be perfect. Um, which I know, at least for me personally, is really hard to accept um, because that's something that I value a whole lot, you know, just consistency and visually like making everything look right. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so I stress a lot about my blood sugars after I eat, before I eat. Um, but, you know, that has definitely gotten a whole lot better with figuring out, you know, pizza. i just don't eat a whole lot because, you know, <laughs> I think it's a thing in the diabetes community. No one can ever properly bolus for pizza. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so if anyone's listening to this, we did record this a time before. Um, and one of the things that we said in the yeah. early recording 
that I want to bring up again is that um, we, I, Savannah and I have both started on a more restrictive diet when we were first diagnosed and most diabetics are just so that they can figure out what their insulin dosages are. Um, and usually after a while you get into, you, you switch into what's known as um, a carb ratio. So instead of eating a fixed amount of carbs, like Savannah and I did, um, we would eat, a, we would count the amount of carbs in our, in our meal and then give them an amount, a certain amount of insulin for that. Um, so if you are newly diagnosed and you think, oh my gosh, this is insane. Um, firstly, it does get easier in terms of just handling everything. And secondly, it gets easier in that you are allowed to eat more things. Um, after a while, your treatment becomes more proactive rather than reactive. Um, my mom's a diabetic as well. And I know that she, she had that same experience before she was diagnosed and when she was first diagnosed, she was treated on a reactive basis. So they would, she would eat a certain amount of carbs and then they would see how that would affect her. Um, and obviously that doesn't make you feel good. So, and in the, in relation to food, uh, bringing it back to food, um, mm -hmm. diabetes and food doesn't always mix whenever, whenever you don't know how to treat, whenever you don't have a, a really set treatment plan. And it does take a while to figure that out, but yeah, you do figure it out. And I encourage you to just, just work with the people around you. This, uh, diabetes definitely isn't something that you can mm -hmm. do alone um so yeah you mentioned you mentioned pizza okay pizza is a pizza and just like <laughs> i think like italian food just generally um pasta italian food is just the worst Absolutely. for blood sugars but it's also just the best to eat <laughs> i know it's it's crazy the things we love most <laughs> um, i know it isn't that always how it is it's it's crazy but yeah i I, so this is something I'll talk more later is that I am um, vegetarian and Italian food is just like perfect because you can really change it up and it'd still be good. Um, and it, yeah, so dosing on that is difficult whenever you love it so much and that it, it really just fits so many different diets. And I really love that. <clears throat> um, but yeah, that does lead into mm -hmm. our second mm -hmm our second point and that's I know that you you and myself as well have tried different diets for different reasons um and for me those reasons mostly boiled <laughs> down to health but like especially recently they've kind of extended to moral and environmental reasons um so yeah I think I'll right now we'll focus on that about these these dietary choices um, and why we made those dietary choices and how that's affected our diabetes. Um, so yeah, what has your experience been with that? Um, you know, just dietary choices. Um, yeah. So, okay. Uh, two years ago, I had something went kind of wrong in my body. Um, to give the summarized version, I was, I had a lot of anxiety. I still deal with this that to this day, um, it definitely has gotten a lot better. Um, but it turned into a physical condition where it turned into like acid and it burned all inside like my body, my stomach lining. Um, and 
I know that this probably isn't it, but I, <laughs> the last thing I ate before, you know, this all started happening was a Slim Jim. And um, I have just like always accredited that to being like the trigger of it. Mm -hmm. So for a while after that, I want to say like a year and a half, I went vegetarian and I um, kind of went in phases. I know I tried a bunch of fake meat. Um, I never had like a meat craving. I know some people do. That just never occurred for me, but I did try that. It was, it was, it was pretty good. Um, but I, um, a little bit like, I want to say like halfway into like my vegetarian, uh, part of my life, I, um, realized that I wasn't being, you know, a healthy vegetarian because right. I think when people think of like vegetarians, it's like, oh, they eat salads all the time. Um, fun fact about me up until I think. A couple months ago, I absolutely hated salads. So, you know, I was more eating like pasta and fake chicken strips. Um, you know, I would eat a lot of fruit, <laughs> but it just wasn't the healthiest option for me. So when quarantine started, I kind of started to take a step back from that. And um, I still don't eat beef. I've just now started eating a little bit of pork, but it still makes me kind of sick. Um, beef, I just, for environmental reasons, I know you mentioned that. Um, I just don't choose to support that industry. Also, it makes me feel sick. Um, but right. it was, it, it was definitely interesting to figure that out with my blood sugar, because I know, especially with fake meat, um, I don't know how many diabetics have tried this, so I don't know if this is just me, but meat is one of the things that you don't have to give insulin for, at right. least not a lot. Um, and so I had to kind of change my brain to realize that okay this fake meat isn't meat you know it's it's still carbs I have to figure that whole thing out so that was definitely kind of a little adjustment that I had to make that I never like ever you know thought about before it, it, it is weird because diabetics base their insulin ratios on carbs um and meat doesn't or most meats don't have carbs um mm -hmm. but these the, like the beyond burger pretty much any burger you're going to get our fake meat burger is and is going to have carbs um mainly because it's made from like soy um and a lot of plants and vegetables they they have carbs they, that's how they they're structured so whenever you put that in meat patties um those are unexpected carbs but i think another thing that i think just being vegetarian or not being vegetarian just being like conscious of what you're eating can help in is that there are a lot of foods that just they have carbs and they you wouldn't expect it especially in fast food restaurants they'll put some unexpected sauce in it and there's yeah. so many there's so many like carb sources on the internet that you can find that just aren't accurate whatsoever or they're outdated um and they're not maintained so it's it's definitely difficult finding the right carb counts um particularly when you are doing when you do have certain dietary restrictions, again, for health or environmental reasons or any or religious belief, beliefs. Um, so for me, um, yeah, I, I will agree that I've, I've gone through different phases in terms of what I choose to eat. I think a few years ago, I noticed that, um, well, I went into my endocrinologist and they noticed my blood pressure was high. And um, I didn't like that. I am an, I, 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 consider myself to be relatively active. So it was definitely something that shocked me. Um, some people do just naturally have hypertension, but 
I didn't feel comfortable with that. So I was like, what can I do to fix this? So at first, I didn't really think I had, <laughs> I really had any determination to be vegetarian. So I cut out red meat from my diet. And that really helped because it, it was a stepping stone for me. And I think if you're ever going to take on something, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Um, yeah, that's really the main thing. Um, but yeah, I was on, I was on only white meat for a while before I changed to no meat. And that's where I'm at right now. And it, it's working, it's working all right. Um, like Savannah said, there are just d different things that you have to consider in terms of carbs, but also I think just like nutritional adequacy in your diet. Um, when I went vegetarian, it wasn't necessarily, okay, how can I replace the foods I'm eating? It was just cutting meat out of my diet, which obviously isn't healthy. Like going from eating a burger and fries to a grilled cheese and fries obviously isn't healthy. So, <laughs> but again, of course, that's always, that's always okay to do, but moderation is key. Um, so I'm definitely still working on that, working on meeting those nutritional, um, the, you know, eating what you need to eat. Um, and that's especially important when you're diabetic. Savannah mentioned stress. Um, there's a reason that stress, like physical stress and mental stress are have the same name. And that's because they both have physical, they both can have physical um, effects on your body. So for me, I definitely went through, I mean, I'm still in a period where I have a lot of anxiety and that caused me to lose a lot of hair and my mom will, my mom hates me for this, but there is hair all over my house, all over my house because I <laughs> lose so much hair. Um, and it, I'm definitely doing a lot better. I'm definitely managing that, that whole thing a lot better, but um, stress has physical outcomes. In terms of diet, diet has a huge influ influence on your mental health. And I know this isn't the mental health podcast, but um, <laughs> Um, it does have influence. Um, and that's important to keep in mind that you are eating what you need to eat and meeting everything that you need to eat. Um, meeting those nutritional, you know, meeting those guidelines <clears throat> and knowing what your body needs. And that is definitely a, huge, a whole other issue is knowing what you need. Um, so yeah, and, and that will lead us into not being perfect 100% of the time. Sometimes it's okay to eat things that aren't explicitly healthy or um, that many people will tell you not ever to eat. There are, is a common stereotype that uh, diabetic, diabetics can't eat sweet things um, because sweet things are supposedly what caused their disease. So obviously there's a couple of issues with this. <laughs> um, firstly, there's a whole bunch <laughs> of types of diabetes that aren't caused by food and those ones that are caused by lifestyle choices, um, particularly type 2 diabetes, um, there, firstly, there's huge um, amount of genetic factor into that. And those things that, um, and again, there is a, there's a huge lifestyle factor as well, but lifestyle doesn't necessarily mean sugar, right? Sugar, things with sh the, the whole idea with sugar and that, that misconception that sugar causes diabetes is just because sugar happens to coincide with a lot of foods with other things that are unhealthy. But again, that's 
that is in diabetes is a chronic illness with in type two in relation to type two with chronic onset. And so you can enjoy a treat every once in a while, as long as you are recognizing what it is and how it is and how it affects your body. And that, that again is referencing to that whole conscious eating thing. I think the best thing you can do as a diabetic is to recognize what it is in the things you're eating <clears throat> and recognizing that you don't, that, you know, it's okay to have a treat, right? Um, I think it was in this recording that you mentioned that sometimes, although we do set these goals to eat, uh, to take insulin 10 minutes before we eat or um, do these things perfect, we don't always do that. So how do you approach that? And not just in a, you know, how do you recoil your blood sugar and get it back down to normal, but how do you remind yourself that it's okay, right? That it's not the end of the world. Um, yeah, I mean, I struggle a lot with this, not only with diabetes, but in everyday life. I um, am a perfectionist. I have, you know, maybe a little bit of OCD. Um, I was actually talking with my therapist today. Um, shout out to her. <laughs> I, um, we were talking about how difficult it is to kind of deal with perfectionism when, you know, we live in a world that's not perfect, where nothing is perfect, nothing is going to be perfect. And, um, yeah, we um, talked a lot about, you know, how to cope with that. And I think one of the things that mm -hmm. she said was, um, you know, you know, you just can't control it sometimes. And I think along with my anxiety, I think that's what I struggle with most is the fact that I can't control everything. And diabetes is one of those things that falls under the umbrella, um, you know, you can do everything right and still get a funky blood sugar. You can, you know, give all the right insulin and still have your blood sugar run high. Um, but I think it's important to remember the little victories. Um, someone asked me a little while ago, you know, like about positivity and stuff, because I, I prefer to be a positive person. Um, of course, I always have my days where I'm not. Um, but for the most part, I feel like I do try to be a positive person. Um, but she asked me like mm -hmm. how I do that. And, um, you know, number one, fake it till you make it for sure. But um, I think remembering like the little positive things in life, you know, like seeing a unicorn, which um, if you don't have diabetes or if you don't know um, is a perfect 100. I know some people like will say it only when you test. Um, I like seeing it on my CGM just because um, I am <laughs> lucky enough to have a CGM that is FDA approved for, you know, bolusing and stuff off of that and being reliable enough. So um, every once in a while, I'll post it on my story, but those are the types of things that keeps me going. Yeah, absolutely. Just, again, yeah, just recognizing that a moment in the way, in issues, because we mentioned this food can be unpredictable and recognizing that is so important and recognizing that the little the little inconveniences and the little i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily call them failures but just little slip-ups um mm -hmm. are don't even compare to all of the little victories that you do have um and yeah it's just recognizing that and 
focusing your attention more on those things that you do do right is definitely something that we're all learning to do. Um, yeah, I think as attended uh, humans and especially diabetics who feel the brunt of their mistakes, especially more because it, it extends into their medical well-being, um, we tend to focus on those bad things more than we focus on the good things. Mm -hmm. So perfectionism is something that I feel like a lot of diabetics struggle with. You brought it up. Um, I think that is such an important thing that we address. Um, I mean, like, yeah, in relation to food, but also just overall, like blood sugars and trying to get that, you know, the, the straight graph, like if you have a CGM, a straight line is so encouraging, especially if at, like after a meal, it's, it, it's rare, but like every once in a There's while. There's nothing better. Right. It's, it's one of the best feelings. If you're not diabetic, um, I, I don't know what to compare it to, but <laughs> it, it's, yeah. it's a great feeling. <laughs> and I feel like we, we let that feeling when it, we let the feeling of not having that, of having a crazy line, take away from that good feeling of a straight line. Um, could you tell me just a little bit about how maybe you have an experience with um, a certain instance where your blood sugars weren't as perfect as you wanted them to be, that they it took away from your overall feeling of who you were as a diabetic? <clears throat> oh, I mean obviously countless times over the, I think, almost six years of being diabetic. Um, but I think there was one time where I was, um, I, I made this food like a billion times before I knew all the carbs and I was having just a phenomenal blood sugar day, like straight lines. Um, one of the rare occasions that that does happen, but um, I was so excited um, you know, they stayed perfectly like leveled over breakfast, maybe like a little tiny lump or hill or whatever you call it. Um, but, um, you know, I was really excited. I bolus 15 minutes before, um, which is something that I don't normally do. I know we should, but, um, I was just so excited to have an almost perfect blood sugar day and I, um, did everything right. I did everything that I was supposed to do and, you know, two hours after that meal, I still hadn't come down and I was just in the 200s and I was kind of fluctuating and it just completely, completely ruined my day. And I mean, I know that at the end of the day, it shouldn't, but when you get so excited about that and you get so excited about having just like a visually perfect graph, um, it's hard to not be disappointed when it doesn't look as pretty as you wanted it to. Yeah, absolutely. It, I, I'm trying to think of a, um, there was this post I saw on Instagram, I think, and it was a, it was a graph representing like, um, growth and improvement over the course of, there were two posts, right? The first image was just over the course of a day and it was all downwards. Right. But then it was the bigger image across the course of a month. And it was clear that this was huge amounts of growth. Right. Um, but then just that little snippet of the day was, mm -hmm. was trending downwards. And that, that is 
so important to really, I think whenever you're diabetic or whenever you're human, right? It's so important whenever you're feeling mm-hmm. down to really just look back on where you used to be because you recognize that in this moment that you feel your worst, right? That you're doing the worst, you likely have been even worse and you were totally okay with that or not totally okay with that, but it was your normal for a while. It was my normal for a while to just have high blood sugars. And now I'll get frustrated because my blood sugars not per like I definitely my 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 idea of what's high blood sugar is so much lower now than it used to be and so now that it whenever it crosses that line it makes me feel bad I'm not going to say the specific number because I feel like that that should give other people goals no no I, I get it yeah I think your goal should totally be dependent on where you are right now and that that goes for everything. Your goals shouldn't be based on other people. And um, in terms of perfectionism, whenever you don't fit those goals, that's okay. You know, I think the ultimate goal on top of whatever your goal was is just to be better than you were the day before or not the day before, just better than you've been in the past. Yeah, no, I mean, that was beautifully worded. All right. Thank you so much for talking with me today. It was incredible. Um, Yeah, I really appreciate it. Oh, of course. This was really fun. Oh, yeah. So much fun. Thank you, really. Um, All right. Anyone who's listening, again, Savannah has an Instagram dedicated to diabetes and her life with type 1 diabetes. You can uh, find that on Instagram at SavannahDavidsonT1D. I'll put that in the show notes if you want that spelled out. And I think that's it. Thank you so much. Enduk Incredible is currently run primarily by three people, and the podcast is just me. Funding is thin, as fundraising events are difficult to run safely during the pandemic, so a lot of the funding required to keep the nonprofit afloat is coming from me, which I'm happy to do. But if you have the time and money to help, a donation which can be made at endocrinecredible.org forward slash donate would be greatly appreciated. Sharing this podcast and getting the word out is also an amazing help to our cause. If you're interested in sharing your experience with diabetes, either as someone living with it or who has affected by it in some way, or if you're just looking to get involved in some way, you can send an email to directors at endocrinecredible.org. 